0: Hey everybody, Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and we've got Chris Ainsworth here from Australia, Emergency Management Specialist. Chris, great to have you with us.
1: Yeah, welcome, Craig. Great to be here.
0: Thank you. I'd love for you to share with our students in the audience uh, how you became interested in emergency management.
1: Yeah, it started back oh, in 1999 when I joined the South Australian State Emergency Service, and it wasn't till one August night... Um, that we had a major storm in um, Adelaide, in South Australia. And the duty officer at the time just happened to be the director of the State Emergency Service, a very small organisation at that time. And he pulled a small team in to start looking at manning radios and seeing what we might have to do in providing resources um, out to the community to support the community. And the storm fizzled out. and we called the night quits at about 2am in the morning. And the director was quite apologetic for having to draw volunteers in to man all of the systems and processes for something that never eventuated. And it was during that time that we had a a brief discussion about what the service really did and, and where things were going. And I got introduced Um, The following week to the state planning officer Alan McDougall and was asked, you know, would I like to assist him in uh, developing out the state plans Working that on a volunteer basis and that really started me on that emergency management uh, process Um, At that particular time I was also doing lecturing And I was starting to get involved in Um flexible learning blended learning and if you can imagine 2000 is very early days of online learning and mood and yeah, um, so. those sorts of things and I had a concept to take what we were doing on paper-based and presentations putting it online so I put it into a business proposal and submitted it um, for a scholarship and I actually won an Australian Flexible Learning Leaders Scholarship. Which took me to Canada. So, it's a three month scholarship of touring around the world and, and having a look at some of the key elements in flexible learning. But on top of that, I was able to build into it some study. So, I used part of my funding to fly to Sydney um, every fortnight to undertake a diploma in uh, e learning out of the University of Technology in Sydney. And Three months of, of backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and finished up with a, um, a diploma in e-learning. At that point, I said, "Well, I actually want to formalise what I what I'm doing, what I'm learning. You know, what is out there to formalise it?" And there wasn't very much at all. And I looked at the, what was then the um, Australian Emergency Management Institute at Mount Macedon. Which was de- delivering a brand-new advanced diploma. So I put an application in for that and Was actually rejected on the basis of I'm um, just a volunteer and These are in the days when parochialism reigned supreme in the emergency services wow. and it was only available for paid staff So we I went through that. So I, I did a bit more of a search and came across Swinburne University and at Swinburne, they had the qualification on their scope, but they didn't have any learning materials, didn't know how to assess it, nothing. So I came to negotiation with Swinburne and spent the next two years writing their course, developing it, basing it around my experience of what I've done, wrote the assessment material, and then went through a formal validation process so that they could get the everything formally awarded. So that meant um, having three very senior people in emergency management, an external auditor, um, flew two of the key people over from Swinburne University to Adelaide at, and went through the whole process. And it was the very start of the recognition of prior learning in Australia.
0: Right.
1: And what it came about was My evidence that I put forward in a big portfolio and we did 15 units of competency in a day. That's a big effort. That. they needed to read through that portfolio. And if they needed to ask a question on the validity or whatever of that evidence that portfolio that section that unit of competency withdrawn. So the evidence had to stand on its own. Right. as an assessment tool in a very rigorous and valid way. And this is all supervised by an external, um, at that time, ASCO auditor. So the systems and processes were in there. We went around and there was one unit we withdrew for questioning. The rest of them, the, the other 14, got through. So that set a bench, why say benchmark? But it set a level of expectation for mm. students wanting to, to study at this level and we're talking an advanced diploma so right. we're talking at one level under uh, a back, bachelor degree mm. so you, you're not looking at uh, a body of work that's nah that's near enough we'll get let that through it actually had to stand on its own two feet mm. so based on on that and I worked with Swinburne for two years and then I went um, I put an application in for an Australian American Fulbright scholarship in 2008 and i scored a a fulbright scholarship which um, in vocational and what that scholarship was about was looking at the relationships of professional development training between volunteers and paid staff and what are the differences and how do we bridge that gap and how do we break down those barriers Mm. And, um, and the the interesting part is that when you're dealing with the high levels of um volunteer standards in Australia, when you get into a leadership role, you lose that skill set. So the volunteers themselves um become professionals in their own right, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that was and that was I embedded myself in seven months into the eight months into the United States. Um started off in Texas, had five hurricanes in the first three months. And the the last two, one was Hurricane Gustav, was a uh, put into a level three uh, planning and logistics role. Uh, and that's it's about mid-scale in America. And then we finished that on a Friday and then on the on the Sunday night we were activated again for Hurricane Ike, and that was a twenty-seven-day operation and I was put into the role of the planning chief, and that was a US level two, which is one level under the international deployment. So yeah, learning on your feet, thinking on your feet. Uh, and we set up the, large, the first lar- and largest, at that time in 2008, mega shelter in the United States. 1500 people, uh, meals area for a thousand um, people in a single setting, um, two schools, a uh, 50 computer, Workstation for um, evacuees, or as the in Dallas, they were never evacuees; they were the guests of Dallas. Um, then we had uh, two schools, two recreation areas, a twenty-bed hospital, a ten-bed psychology unit, and a pharmacy, all inside a um, air-conditioned car park in the in under wow. the Dallas Convention really? set up in forty-eight hours
0: it's impressive
1: yeah oh it was incredible it, yeah and it one of those ex- if i could say that it was it's one of those experiences that emergency managers dream about and really get to participate in yeah it, it and you yeah. can't buy it can't buy that experience i was going
0: to really- say that's more, a bit far better than a, than a master's degree being involved yeah. in a situation like that. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, so from that on, I went on to set up my own college and delivered the advanced diploma for seven years. Then in 2015, went to the Northern Territory Emergency Service and took on a role there for 12 months as the Northern Territory Manager of the Emergency Management Training Unit. And that was to look at the increase in the capability and capacity of the Northern Territory across whole of government, whole of territory and the Northern Territory Emergency Service volunteers of their capabilities. And we lifted that in both areas by 33%, 33% for the volunteers, 36% for the um, government in their capability and capacity and emergency management in 12 months. Wow.
0: Uh,
1: from there, I went in 2017 to Central Queensland University to set up from a blank piece of paper, their Diploma, Advanced Diploma Program. And I worked there for three years and we set that up to be an immersive program. So what the students did is they took, we went out and negotiated with a local government or a government department that had an emergency management responsibility. We took a project and we went to them and we said, do you have a project that you want delivered, that's going to take two years to do. I am prepared to give you five students to work on that program project at no cost. I need a resource person from you to act as the your industry liaison and make sure we maintain your uh, that linkages and maintain the credibility of what we're doing. And at the end of the day, you have a deliverable to your community. And that's what we did. And that was the basis of the Central Queensland program. Unfortunately, that one's been dismantled.
0: Can you give us an idea of a couple of the projects that the people did?
1: Um, One was um, in Adelaide, which was a rural urban interface where people relied on external resources to move about. So um, the local council provided them a bus when they needed to come down to the council to do some of their work to the library, do some of their shopping, the, the community bus, all of those sorts of things. The, the council provided those, that resource in a high fire day, danger day. Those resources are cancelled. So these people had nothing. They, they couldn't get anywhere. So they are vulnerable in, in essence of a bushfire or um, flood in a storm damage. These people were just totally vulnerable and left to their own resources. So that's one, one of the projects we looked at.
0: Could you tell us about the um, your Fulbright project that you're doing, looking at the volunteers and uh, employed staff and professional development?
1: Um, look, we're. And when you talk to the US, it's, it's a US and Australia uh, and New Zealand are very different in the way they approach their emergency management. Um, what I did find. Um, is the US rely very much on academic type people at the higher end level of of management of emergencies. And it's very reliant on the emergency services. So they don't have a volunteer base like we have here with the rural fire service, country fire service, and state emergency services, and your civil defense groups in in New Zealand. They just don't exist. What they do have, though, is um, what they call their community emergency response teams, which are volunteer citizens. Mm, right, the and certs. the cert, yep, the the, the mm. cert program. Now, they sit at, um, in an Australian perspective, about halfway between a Red Cross volunteer and a state emergency service volunteer. So they sit in into that into that actual space. Uh, very well, they do eight eight weeks training. Very competent. Um, I did a CERT training over there and was also a CERT instructor. Uh, And the beauty I like about the CERT is they take it all the way down into the schools. So you have teen CERT. So They might start the first year of college or even at high school, first year of high school. And you might start after a junior. Remember by the time you end your high school, they're a senior leader member within their teen CERT. When they go to the college, they can step up into that role again. When they go up to the community, Right um a good portion of those go onto the emergency services in one form or another, whether that be um, supporting Red Cross Salvation Army, the police fire emergency um, EMS medical medical services. So a lot of them will go through into those spaces. So it's a really good breeding ground uh, for that level, but it's also that community support and I, I was we, we use them extensively in the shelter. When we when we set up the shelter in um, in Dallas for Hurricanes, Squasoff and Ike, and they're invalu They're an invaluable group of people.
0: Mm, mm. Why do you tell us about um, the International Association of Emergency Managers? Uh, one of our faculty members, in fact, the leader of the emergency management programs in America, Todd Devoe, is yes. one of the regional presidents, and I know that you are too. Tell us about that.
1: Um, oh look, the IAM is. I joined it in uh, two thousand and seven. Um, and looking at it from an Australian perspective, I, I sat as the Australian national representative from two ten to two twelve. Um, I got onto the professional development committee um, between uh, two eleven to fourteen. Yeah, just to try and drive the professionalism within the sector that I had put forward at um, Swinburne with my own college um, and looking at, at those spaces. Um, from there, I went on to the Oceania Vice Presidency, um, and then uh, I I, ceased, I came off that in 2014. Um, since 2014, I've been focusing around my own professional development and working in those spaces. Um, so I've gone on. Um, I'm a CM, Certified Emergency Manager. Uh, I've sat on the commission as a commission uh, as, as a commissioner. And I'm currently on the uh, the global certification commission at the moment between for this year through next year and 2023. Uh, I'm also a featured mentor, so I, I look at those skills of how do we bring the next generation. I'm due for retirement. You know, I'm I've got the Zimmer frame and the old turbocharger um, <laughs> to to get around, but it, it's going to be the the next generation who are going to. Um, evolve and drive what we haven't driven Mm -hmm. um it's quite interesting i'm on a a current project at the moment that's coming out of the australian um natural hazards uh, array or uh, bushfires royal commission which is the national arrangements for disaster management and i'm looking at the national recovery training program and and benchmarking that from an australian perspective across the world Uh, and i'm looked at seven seven countries uh, and it's quite amazing just the the low levels of um, recovery, dedication to recovery that's shown anywhere, and, and that, that scares the hell out of me in, in what we're doing. So that's going to be another uh, interesting chapter in the in the next six to, six to twelve months.
0: Hmm you spent quite a bit of time doing international benchmarking with uh you know common skills and disaster recovery roles why don't you share with us about that some of your findings thus far
1: there is very little out there there's basically um i researched 81 colleges in and i talk in the vocational space i'm not looking at the higher education right um the vocational space of the real doers in this in emergency management when you start getting into the higher education a lot of it comes out of theory And trying to put that in practice doesn't always work. So I really focus at that practitioner level. And to me, that's really, really important. So what I have found is out of 81 colleges that are in the FEMA higher education program that FEMA recognized as being the best of the best type in emergency management delivery of training, I found one college that had... Anything to do with recovery in their courses, and that was they had two courses in their in their diploma, and half of the subject was of one subject was based on recovery, and another half in another subject was based on recovery, and that's that's the extent of what I found, and it scares me. Hmm. It really, it really scares me. The United States, all of the recovery, is based on grants funding, so. The, the emphasis is around that higher education. How can you put a grants application together? Can you get the funding? What's the administration around it? And nothing about the actual recovery itself. And that's just left to contractors.
0: And,
1: and that's common, United States, Canada, Japan, South Korea, uh, Singapore, Singapore's is quite different because they really don't have any catastrophic disaster. And certainly um, in Australia, um, out of the uh, the last lot a lot of it's really funded so there is there is no basis for for actual recovery
0: right Well Chris in the in the last few minutes that we have together I'd love it from your experience and your travels to share with aspiring emergency managers the advice that you would give them
1: um, the first bit is, a standard you walk past is a standard you expect. So you've got to really benchmark your own standards to be um, that from both a practitioner's perspective. And we've all seen that from a, a really experienced practitioners. Hey, they've really got good skills. That's a standard I want to aspire to. And And when it comes into emergency management, that leadership side, the same applies. So that standard. Um, increase your network, expand your network because you learn more from others than you will learn from books. Um, the old casual conversation. Don't be afraid to sit down and, and just have that casual conversation.
0: Mm,
1: great. Um, I, I remember, uh, on one of the areas when I went to the Australia, the, um, Institute over in Mount Macedon. and um, it was well known there was more learning done around the bar in that casual conversation than there was in the classroom. And I try and explore that in the way that I deliver my lectures is it's a casual conversation. It's not a here you do this, do that, do something else. And probably the last one is to seek out a mentor. You can't do it on your own. You need that bounce. You need that board to bounce off. Um, and all too often people say, oh, I know how to I'm an expert at this, et etc. et cetera. Um, If you go and talk to them, after a while you realise they're actually not quite there, that you you can direct them to someone else who can, can guide them and provide them a little bit more understanding, a little bit greater depth in that subject. And uh, I, I used to love, when I was in CQ, every session that I ran, I learned something new from my students. Mm-hmm. Because they are there on the ground every day doing the hard yards. Right. I I can only mentor them through the principles and then how to look at the principles and practice and apply it. They have to apply it. Mm-hmm. Some some are successful, some are not. The ones that aren't successful is what we learn from and the ones that we are we set as, as partial benchmarks. Right. So mentoring peer word. networks all of that sort of, is extremely important and um, if you've got a local group around you once a month get out and have a breakfast and just talk
0: i really like that you emphasize those casual conversations chris those opportunities to shoot the breeze and Hear from people not only how have they handled situations they've been in maybe a situation that, as the student or the aspiring manager, they're going through something or something's coming up, and they can discuss that and hear from experience how that might be approached, and um, and weigh it up, you know, and judge the value of that advice.
1: And that that was the that was the foundation that I did the the, the course at um, Central Queensland University. That was that very thing that they had the problem. They had the problem there. They had to solve it.
0: Mm. Fantastic. So if everyone that's watching the recording and for our students as well, uh, with the show notes, there's Chris's LinkedIn address for you to reach out and add him to your network if he will accept you. So do reach out to Chris. And Chris, what are some other ways that people could reach out to you?
1: Oh, look, the, the probably the easiest is is LinkedIn itself. Um, most mm-hmm. people have got that you need you need that professional network of thing There's there's a wealth of information mm-hmm. on LinkedIn for for any practitioner and that that's the start point of your network um, uh, They can also get me if they want to Chris uh, at, at au, and that's Romeo Alpha Echo Mike Echo charlie.com.au uh, Email me but certainly LinkedIn is is one of the key ways that I'll do it always willing um As a CEM mentor, if people want to look at going for their AEM, which I'd encourage, um, or go to their their CEM, we can certainly put you in touch with some very experienced certified emergency managers in Australia and overseas who can guide you into that that journey. And it is a worthwhile journey.
0: Wonderful. Chris, thank you so much for giving us your time and sharing your experiences and your learnings. Really appreciate that. Thank you very, very much.
1: You're welcome, Craig take care
0: please don't go anywhere just want to wrap up and then uh, if it's okay i'd love to have a quick little (laughs) chat with you just a little debrief And for those of you that are watching the recording, if you're an emergency manager, if you're someone who's in the profession, and just like all emergency managers that I know, you have a big folder full of certificates and trainings because you're constantly upskilling on new regulations, new techniques, new technology, but you haven't got your bachelor degree or your master's degree yet. uh, This is what we do with UARD.ac.nz or UARD.org. We give recognition and credit for industry experience, like Chris was talking about, that recognition of prior learning also current competency and recognizing all the training that you've done so that you can finish your degree or your master's degree faster quicker from anywhere in the world and of course for a cheaper price because time is money so thank you so much for being with us look forward to seeing you again on our next episode